Well, Advent is that arrival of redemption. God with us, flesh and blood and bone, the one who came to save us from our sins. And during Advent, we expect to hear and experience some things. We expect to hear the Christmas story. We expect to uh, hear that Jesus had been wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. We expect to lift our voices in the beauty of song and hear the Christmas music and sing of angels singing. And you know, so much of the Christmas story is experienced in our everyday lives that God shows up in all of this story, but so much a part of our day-to-day, long after the Christmas decorations are put away, we still experience the Christmas story in our everyday unexpected news, unexpected plans and unexpected places, and so many times through unexpected people. God shows up in the strangest of places, right? At least we think so, but I don't think God thinks so. Those are the places where God is needed the most. God shows up in restaurants and backyard barbecues, on city streets and county roads, in rest stops and guest rooms, in schools and grocery stores, in shelters, in hospitals, in floodwaters and fires, in faraway places in our very own homes. God even shows up in church. (laughs) I'm reminded of how God shows up in those unexpected places through uh, a couple within our own church, Kevin and Ashley Hayden. They were longtime members of Salem. And... um, God has been a part of their journey in so many ways, and of course, not all of those ways were expected. When they began their family, they had twins, and those twins came early. Brooks and Avery came into the world at 24 weeks. Avery was one pound, three ounces. Brooks was one pound, two ounces. Avery spent 96 days in the NICU. And Brooks was longer. He spent 139 days in in ICU. And I can just imagine what Kevin and Ashley went through during that time, that, that time of not knowing whether or not their children would um, make it and praying over them and the community of faith surrounding them. And it delights me to say by God's miracle and the power of prayer Brooks and Avery are now healthy, talented, creative 11-year-olds. Avery's actually going to play piano for us at the 5 o'clock service on Christmas Eve. Well, as Kevin and Ashley began to talk about their future, they began to talk about that. They decided that adoption would uh, be the way that they would grow their family. So I've seen God's call upon their life as they truly care for all of God's children. And so they decided to adopt overseas. They adopted Shepherd first. Our staff and church prayed for them as they traveled to uh, the Congo. 
and we prayed for them as they returned with this beautiful little baby boy. And Shepherd's picture, I noticed that even this morning, is still in our workroom in the, in the church office during that time when we were praying for him. A few years later, they decided to adopt another child, and this time from Niger, Africa. Now, with three children at home, Kevin and Ashley decided that they would um, kind of divide and conquer. One would stay home with the other three, and the other one would travel. After all, the paperwork was done. All they had to do was go pick up crew. Well, Ashley decided she would be the one that would travel. And as she uh, arrived there, her plan was to stay for 10 days. Little snafu in the paperwork. And 10 days turned into three months. She left on December 20th, right before Christmas. Was expecting to be home that week after. And day after day turned into week after week. I asked Ashley how she experienced God in the midst of all of that. And, and she said that she had this indescribable peace. That shalom, that peace that passes all understanding. That it would be okay. She did not know what the next day would hold. But she knew she was not going home without crew, her son. And she was determined to see it through. She missed her kiddos. She missed her husband. But she knew that God was with her. She invited God to, into every part of that. There was some anxiety there because she was away from family and friends. But she knew that they had her back. Because the Hayden stepped up to the challenge. All of the family, all the friends... The meals started coming in daily. There was a friend who picked up her children from school every day until she returned. And what struck me the most was she, they, they asked her, what is the most difficult part of your day away, so far away and so away from family? And she told them that during certain parts of the day, it was extremely difficult. She told them what time period that was. And friends and family would set their alarms and they would pray for her during that very time. And she felt God's power. She felt God's peace. She said they were the hands, her friends and family were the hands and feet of Christ. You know, she reflected on that tough period of her life. She said, but if I'd not stayed if I had stayed just 10 days, I would not have experienced everything God wanted me to experience. She said, I got to spend time in Cruz's home country. I got to build friendships with some of the, the families there, some friendships that are so important that she still has them today. Those three months shaped and formed her. And she knew God's call was on her life. She still cares for God's. Kevin and Ashley both still care for God's children. God was in the midst of every part and still is today as they foster care a child as well. Baby Jay. They document every moment for his forever someday family. His first crawling and walking, first teeth. 
was downstairs with him just a little while ago. Even though he has ear infections and not feeling real good, he had a grin from ear to ear shining those two teeth down there at the bottom. She documents all of that so that his forever family will have that with them. I have seen God show up in their family so many ways, and they know God will continue to show up in the unexpected days ahead. And one thing that really struck me is there always seems to be room in the Hayden home. And as I reflected on the scripture today, I've pondered on that last verse so many times because there was no room for them in the guest room. No room here. You can't stay here. It's not something a woman who's going into labor wants to hear. Amen, women? Joseph had to have been anxious for Mary. I knew Mary was. You can almost feel that nervousness as he knocks on the door of the household seeking a room in which they might stay. There's one unnamed character in this story that I think we can all relate to. It's the Bethlehem innkeeper. We can only imagine that this person was there because of that one verse, because there was no room for them in the guest room. Someone had to have said it, right? It's not surprising there was no room. Bethlehem was crowded that week. The Roman census and registration was taking place, and everyone had to be registered, the scripture says. And Joseph came from the line of King David, and King David came from Bethlehem, as many thousand people claimed to be in King David's ancestry. And so Bethlehem was crowded. There was no room for them. Now, usually in Christmas plays, the Bethlehem innkeeper is cast as some villain, right? Some Scrooge who just only wants to make more money. No, you can't come here. But I really don't think that was it. Some, even though we do experience that sometimes in life. We once read about a, a Jewish lady named Mrs. Rosenberg, who some years ago tried to get a room in an uh, exclusive hotel in the Cape Cod, in the Cape Cod area. And this particular hotel was run by some haughty Protestants. And, um, and so it excluded Jews. So when Mrs. Rosenberg gave her name to the desk and to register her attendance um, to stay in the hotel, uh, they said, we're full up. She said, but the, the sign out front says vacancy. No, no, we're full. And he hem-hawed around until finally he had to confess that he, uh, they did not cater to uh, Jewish persons. And Mrs. Rosenberg stiffened. Huh. Well, it may surprise you that I've recently converted to Christianity. <laughs> and, the uh, and the innkeeper, the clerk said, is that so? Well, then, let's do a little bit of a test. He said, where was Jesus born? She said, Bethlehem, in a stable, of course. And his parents, the clerk said, Mary and Joseph. And he says, and um, why was he born in a stable? The clerk said, she said rather loudly, because a jerk like you won't give a Jewish lady a room for the night. We've, we've run into those. Here. 
But I doubt that the, the innkeeper really was an excluder. I doubt that that was the case. I think it was simply that there was simply no room. I can relate to this unnamed character, this innkeeper. How many times have I too said, no room, God? It's a little crowded, God. I'm too busy. I'm too preoccupied. I'm too tired. It's a good question to reflect upon during this season of busyness, right? How many times have we said, this is not the time and place, God. In the boardroom, in the business meeting, in the cocktail party, in the family vacation, in the argument with your spouse, in the family celebration, in the community event, in the day-to-day -day errands. How many of us have said, not now, God. No room. And we don't invite God into our human experience. Why don't we? Is it because we're afraid to invite God into that part of our lives? We know that God shows up in the expect, unexpected, right? We've experienced that. But what could happen if we actually did invite God into our lives? What then would happen? Wonderful things, right? Amazing things would happen. Maybe things we don't expect and can't control, amen, church? Just think what God would do if you said, I need you now, God. I'm filled with other junk right now. Can you get that out of the way and fill me up with the things that you want for me? God, I'm making room right now. What would happen in your life if you did that? We expect God to show up at church, right? We come in through these doors and expect to be met by God, so why don't we expect God to be in everyday life? What could happen if you invited God into the other parts of your life, not just church? This year I had the opportunity to pray at an event in New York City. It was not the usual place for prayer. In fact, they didn't want me to pray. But the recipients of the award, because of their faith, said, we're not receiving the award unless there's prayer. I loved that. And as I gave the blessing on that night, I wondered what was going on through the hearts and the minds of those sitting in the audience, many of which did not claim themselves as Christians or maybe even any faith background. And I prayed a prayer before I offered the prayer. I prayed that God might use me in that time and that place to shine an invitational, loving, inclusive light. 
After the event was over, I had so many people approach me saying that they thanked me for the blessing of the prayer, and they said, it's not a New York thing. But then they said this, but it should be. God was at work that night, in that time, in that place. Not me. God was at work that night, in that time, in that place, because he was invited. A night bathed in prayer can change the night, but a life bathed in prayer can change the world, church. A life bathed in prayer can change the world. That's exactly what God came to do. He came in human form in this little baby. He came as love to change the world. To show us the way. In this little town of Bethlehem, he shows up. And this was expected. The prophet Micah predicted this. But you, O Bethlehem, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be the one of peace. Even though Bethlehem was expected to be the place where the Prince of Peace would enter our world, I'm sure Mary did not expect to give birth to him amongst the animals. The trouble with stables is that they're dark and dirty and stinky. And maybe that's why God chose that very place when he heard all of humanity say, no room. Sometimes life is dark and dirty and stinky. And that's exactly where we need God the most. And he showed us that, that he would show up in the darkness and bring light, that he would be the sweet-smelling fragrance of sacrifice for us. Lord, Lord, may we invite you. May we invite you not to just one room in our lives, not to just church, not to just the places we expect, but may we invite you into all aspects of our human experience, in the parts that stink, in the parts that are difficult, in the parts that are joyous, right? In all parts of our human experience, may we invite you, God, to take up our whole house. May we always have room for you, O oh God. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we pray. We pray today that you would forgive us for excluding you. That you would forgive us for not inviting you into, into our homes, into our lives, into our hearts. 
We pray that you might take up our whole house, live in us and through us. Because we know that you came to change us and to change the world. May we be your light. In Jesus' name, amen.